Welcome to Ragbag's Fourth Wall. My name's Frank Burton, the real one, not the fictional one. Again, welcome. I haven't got a script, <laughs> as you can, as you might be able to tell. Again, yes, um, uh, Ragbag usually has a script. It usually does. <laughs> but um, this is Ragbag's fourth wall, and uh, I am the real Frank Burton, not the fictional one who has been presenting the show for um, the last three years. So, hello. Um, you may have um, heard Ragbag's fourth wall part one, which was very good. You should check that out. And this is Ragbag's Fourth Wall Part 2. Now, it was billed, I think I think I described it before I started making this, as a documentary about the making of Ragbag. It's not really a doc. It's just me talking. That's all I'm going to be doing today, is just talking. So you can call that a documentary if you want. But um, today, uh, the theme of, the, of Part 1 was kind of um, me looking at, like, the highlights, kind of the top 10 kind of best bits of the podcast from the last three years which I had lots of fun doing. Today I'm going to be talking about podcasts that have been an influence on Ragback. So having a look at things that I'm listening to at the moment, things that I was listening to before I started recording Ragback and maybe um, going even further back from that before podcasting was a thing and looking at radio and stuff. The whole kind of uh, smorgasbord of influences, yeah. I've always been an audio person, I'll say that. I've always been, uh, before podcasting was a thing, I listened to the radio a lot and I kind of preferred radio to TV. That's always been the case, I think. Still, still is the case, really. But nowadays I'd be more likely to listen to podcasts than, than listen to the radio. But... Nothing much has changed in respect of the fact that I'm still an audio person rather than kind of a visual visual dude. So this, I guess, is an obvious thing to say, but I think the first radio program that really properly grabbed my attention and really kind of influenced the way that I write would be The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And uh, I know a lot of people have said that, so I'm not... Um, saying anything too surprising here but I mean I discovered it as a teenager and it was kind of before my it was released before my time kind of late 70s I think I as a teenager in the 90s I kind of discovered it and uh, got some recordings of it on cassette and um, listened to them loads and loads this is the story of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy Perhaps the most remarkable, certainly the most successful book ever to come out of the great publishing corporations of Ursa Minor. More popular than the Celestial Home Care Omnibus, better selling than 53 More Things to Do in Zero Gravity, and more controversial than Ulan Kalufit's trilogy of philosophical blockbusters, Where God Went Wrong, Some More of God's Greatest Mistakes, and Who Is This God Person Anyway? I don't think it's ever been equaled 
it's kind of before or since. I think it's a it's a complete one off, really. I mean, a lot of people have been influenced by Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. A lot of people who count it as an influence. It's uh, if you haven't heard it by the by the way, because a lot of people are familiar with the the story through the books and the kind of maybe the film adaptation of a TV series that there was. But I mean, um, by far the best version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was the original version, was the radio show. It was kind of lots of things at once. It was a a really good and really funny comedy show. And also it was kind of, it was an audio experience, you know. I think I'm right in saying it was the first radio series to be recorded in stereo. And uh, I listened to a documentary about it a while back. And uh, there's all this stuff about Douglas Adams. He was a big music fan. He was uh, he was listening to things like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and stuff like that, and he wanted to have this radio show of his to have the same sort of impact as it, just in terms of the audio, in, in terms of the the weird sounds that were going into it, sound effects and uh, music as well. So you know, I, the music was great actually. That I really liked the theme tune. <laughs> I really liked the theme tune. It was good, and um, the use of certain songs in there as well. I know the original series finished off with Louis Armstrong, "Wonderful World," which was uh, very kind of appropriate for the ending of that show. And yes, I mean that that was the first thing that that really kind of uh, got it under my skin. I, I I do find myself even now writing i'll write a sentence and it'll be yeah that's a douglas adams sentence that you just wrote you know sometimes i have to take it out because it's too much too much of a douglas adams thing you know it was more more a case in my first book um history of sarcasm you can see some of those short stories that i wrote were quite adamsy in terms of some of the jokes that i was putting in there were kind of douglas adams-esque jokes and i've moved on from that now but you know like I say even now writing the ragbag novels the influence is still there even though you know the genre is very different it's uh, kind of Hitchhiker's Guide is this kind of crazy science fiction experience whereas uh, the ragbag world is uh, you know ostensibly the real world um, even though it's even though it's all made up, and um, in terms of music radio, I mean, you know, I, I can't let this moment pass without mentioning John Peel, who was uh, just hugely important to the development of my own musical tastes. I guess um, if you don't know who John Peel was, he's he's uh, passed on a few years back. Um, if you don't know who he is, he was a British radio DJ. And um, he had a very long career, sort of spanning decades, kind of throughout the late 20th century. And then I think he must have died about 2003, 2004, something like that. And he was still working at that time. And, yeah, his show was just kind of dedicated to alternative... He was on Radio 1, BBC Radio 1, and uh, he was just kind of given free reign. He was given... The opportunity to play whatever he wanted to play and he took the opportunity to kind of play as much underground alternative music as he possibly could and uh, there was so much great stuff that wouldn't have had an audience without him playing it on the radio 
And, you know, I, I guess a lot of it has been forgotten about now. When I say alternative music, I'm not talking about, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and stuff like that. I mean, quite often people will use that word alternative to describe these huge kind of bands, these huge kind of stadium acts. And I, I guess they are alternative in a way, but I'm talking about artists that nobody has heard of and uh, artists who kind of sound very, very strange and very, very, uh, uh, well, only appeals to a small number of people. And a lot of it appeals to me, particularly the way that I was as a teenager. I wanted to be into stuff that nobody else was into. That was quite important to me at that time, I think. And John Peel was um, incredibly good at what he did. Incredibly good. And, and he was a great presenter as well. He had a very kind of dry sense of humour and a very kind of laid-back presentation style that was very different to the way that other radio music DJs were. He was just kind of very kind of laid-back and very sardonic and often very funny as well. again lovelies for me a weekend of small embarrassments and frustrations which hopefully will be swept aside by a week of dynamic programs a positive riot of rhythm and melody tonight we have a fresh flesh for lulu rather uh, their debut not starting very well am i and the pale fountains on record we float like thistle down through the reggae rainbow enjoy a reply to frank zappa's recent thoughts on valley girls here's some old favorites deal firmly with requests derived from a quiet night in sheffield and there'll be new records from culture the commsat angels the gonads and king tub not together, of course, and big country. We start with dance society. I think he's, uh, I, I should probably mention, I think he, he might be a bit of a problematic figure nowadays. I don't actually know if he is or not. I've just heard, heard a few rumours about him doing some dodgy stuff. I don't actually know what happened, so I can't really comment on it. And I'll be honest with you. I don't really want to know. I'd rather just remember him as the this kind of great DJ who had this huge impact on my life. Really, um, I guess I guess that's that's quite a strong thing to say, isn't it? Had a huge impact on my life. But um, I think uh, John Peel's radio show had hugely influenced the way that I approach writing. Um, you know, in terms of the way that things are laid out. And um, the, uh, I should say the eclecticism as well of uh, John Peel because he used to he used to play a really really broad range of music. It's kind of uh, fed straight into the record choices that I have made on the Ragbag Ragbag podcast. Comes straight from that. I mean, if I hadn't heard that that show, I wouldn't necessarily have known that it was possible to do that. You know. Because most radio shows don't do that. Most radio shows are kind of like, well, you know, um, here's some pop music or here's a dance music show. We'll play some dance music. Here's a here's a hip hop show. We'll just play some hip hop. Whereas uh, John Peel just played everything, you know. The equivalent now is kind of the Spotify playlist. You know, um, you can go on Spotify and the countless numbers of playlists that you can click on and listen to and... As far as I can tell, they're all genre-specific. 
So, you know, there'll be an 80s playlist, there'll be a a hip-hop playlist, there'll be a drum and bass playlist. And I'm sure there are people out there putting together, you know, highly eclectic playlists. But, you know, I don't know enough about, I don't really go on Spotify, so I don't really know whether there are people doing that or not. I'm just saying that's the equivalent, isn't it? Of people who don't listen to the radio. And um, I'll be honest, I don't listen to the radio myself (laughs) anymore. I just don't do it. I mean, I stopped a few years ago, I think. I just I, I do listen to radio shows after they happened on BBC Sounds. So I do do that and I and I do um, you know, mostly I listen to podcasts, that's the thing. But I, actually um while we're talking about music radio, I, I really do think possibly the best radio show of all time if I was going to choose would have to be uh, the Mark Radcliffe show, as it was in the late 90s. Mark Radcliffe had a show on Radio 1 that was on between 10 at night and midnight. And I used to listen to it every night. It was just the best. Uh, I, can't, I can't even describe it. I mean, I mean the music was good. He, he played some good music. I mean, the music wasn't as good as the music that Peel played. But I listened to it because of the talking bits in between, in between the music were just um, really, really funny. There were there was a, a bunch of really highbrow stuff and a bunch of really, really lowbrow stuff. So you used to talk about, you used to have people on talking about art and poetry and film and uh, all these kind of subjects that you wouldn't necessarily find on, on Radio 1, but Mark Radcliffe just kind of introduced these topics to... Um, you know, this is we're talking about like a young audience. You know, this this is Radio One's audience is primarily people in their late teens, and early twenties, I guess. And yeah, so if you listen to Radio One now, it's kind of like it's um, for someone like me who's in their early forties, it's uh, it's incomprehensible. You know, <laughs> because it's very very specifically targeted at people in the late teens and early 20s is not aimed at me so you know I don't listen to Radio 1 for that reason um, but when I did listen um, I listened to the Mark Radcliffe show now um, <laughs> it was uh, the double acts Mark and Lard as they came to be known and um, they they started doing daytime radio um, after that they kind of got very popular and they were because they were very funny you know the very, very funny kind of double act when they're on late night radio, it was very, they were very funny. It was very, very different to the stuff that they were doing when they were on daytime. Uh, really, really filthy, but just the filthiest jokes possible, you know. And um, I don't know, somehow they got away with just saying, saying really kind of wild stuff, you know, re- re- really, uh, <laughs> very, very funny. I can't really remember most of it. I, th- I think if you were to listen to it now, it would be. It would just be horrible, you know. <laughs> it would just it would come across as being really offensive and really, um, you know, that word problematic again. Um, I think you have to consider it within the context of when it was recorded. I was a sixteen-year-old boy. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I might have to track it down and see what it was like, you know. But it was just, yeah, just. And the combination of that, the combination of these really kind of uh, dirty kind of jokes, 
accompanied by uh, you know discussions about art and poetry and all that sort of thing and and plus music as well it was just like a great kind of mixture and a great kind of juxtaposition of different styles all kind of slammed together and I think that's kind of fed into the ragbag experience as well that's what I'm trying to do and you know just put kind of a whole bunch of stuff that shouldn't be together put it together and see what it looks like sounds very artistic that doesn't it yeah well, well there you go session that did Tonto's expanding penis. Now there's a name from when I used to listen to Liz Kershaw under the duvet with lard. From Failsworth, here's Northside. Doesn't sound Mancunian, that does it? F***ing hell, our kid, put the cat out. That was the first tune ever to be described as a puddle of spew on record when Delicate Vomit recorded Hello, Spotty Moomin last October. Punk, psychedelic, rock, acapella, acapella, soul, arsehole, codfish, battered balls. If we've got an insurance policy, I'll show me arse in Burton's window. And if we've got a music policy, it's farm rubbish. No, that can't be right. Mark Radcliffe, Graveyard Slot, 97 to 99, and now... The other big influence on Ragbag specifically from that era would be Chris Morris's uh, Blue Jam, which I uh, highly recommend that you check out. It was... uh, Late night comedy show again. It was very much late night. It was a, it was on between midnight and one in the morning, and um, yeah, so you had to make make the effort to kind of stay up for that one because it wasn't you know there was no catch up there was there was no podcasts or anything like that. It was if you missed it then you missed it, and um, yeah, I used I used to kind of record it because I used to fall asleep sometimes while I was listening to it and then re- listen back to the recording. Again, it was a sort of thing that it was just really. <laughs> how how has this got on the radio? How have they allowed this to happen? You know, um, some some of the material in there was just you know quite shocking, and uh, but you know it's Chris Morris and that that's what he's known for, so that's fine, isn't it? That's kind of like he's um, considered to be this comic genius and still is, and uh, Blue Jam, I think was uh, possibly his finest achievement. I know it's not his most famous one. He's he's better known for Brass Eye and the day-to-day and, you know, film stuff now, Four Lions and uh, uh, The Day Shall Come, is it called that? I don't know. But um, that's what Chris Morris is known for. He's not necessarily known for for this kind of weird radio show that he made, Blue Jam. But it's it's really extraordinary. And it, it was... very much an influence on Ragbag. The combination of the music and the comedy together, kind of both of those things happen, happening at once. So the music would kind of uh, interact almost with with these voices that were kind of in, in these... Uh, it was kind of a weird sketch show, but also he used to do uh, these monologues like uh, in character. And, yeah, come to think of it, it's kind of... Uh, that's kind of what I do, isn't it? Well, that's what I have been doing. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop doing it at when we get to episode 100. But it's been fun. It's been fun. So that's Blue Jam. Day before yesterday, I picked my car up for a garage. 
The geezer says, over there, mate, keys in the ignition. And I look, I cannot bloody believe it. The car is only four foot long. I said, I said what's this? He goes, it's your car. I said, what do you mean it's my fucking car? He said, oh, that was what it was like when you drove it in here. No, I said, don't fuck me about. How did I drive that in? It's only two foot six tall. He goes, you must have put on some weight. I thought I was going fucking mad. Then the manager comes out. He said, what the fuck's going on here? I said, I paid good money for this. He goes, what's wrong with it? I said, what do you mean what's fucking wrong with it? I said, look at the size of it. He goes, what? I said, it's only about four fucking foot long. What the fuck have you done to it? Then he says, oh, well, that's how it came in. He goes, I particularly remember that one because I used to have one myself. A fucking four-foot Vauxhall carton. Oh, fucking yes. And I said, is that it then? I said, is that what I have to drive away? And I said, it's your car. Take it or leave it. It's up to you. So I just had to fucking squeeze into it, didn't I? Fucking knees round me ears. And it's four fucking foot cars. It's only two foot six tall. I mean, what am I, fucking noddy? Now, I almost forgot to mention Down the Line, which is a very important show in terms of inspiration for Ragback. It's a BBC Radio 4 comedy show, which is like a parody of a call-in show. It's it's done in a in a, <laughs> in a very convincing way, and the, the, the guy who's the presenter of it sounds just like uh, a typical kind of cheesy BBC presenter. Um, who taken all these calls and he he's uh, everything is done you know as though it is really happening and I really like that sort of thing that's got of a, it sounds just like um, a real call-in show even though all the people who call into the show are completely insane um, but that that is what call-in shows are, are like quite often you just get these crazy people calling into the radio and they get the voices broadcast on the radio and um, yeah, the call-in show is a very weird genre of radio. And um, I think what Down the Line have done is just parody that so exactly and so convincingly that it almost sounds like it's a real show, even though it's even though it's just kind of madness. One of the best radio comedy shows I've ever heard, and um, I think it's uh, it's really really well done. The um, the guys who did it are. Um, Paul Whitehouse and Charlie Higson, who are very famous in the UK. I don't know about beyond the UK, but they're very, very famous TV stars and they're responsible for working with Harry Enfield on the Harry Enfield show and The Fast Show was their kind of big hit uh, sketch show in the UK. And uh, But I think Down the Line is the best thing that those guys have done. And um, it's a shame they haven't done more radio because they're really good at it. Okay, I'm going to take another call now. It's Pascal. Oh, and apparently he's been upset about something I said earlier about the French. Ah, 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 stop, stop, stop. What? Olivier. Mm? Stop, 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 stop. Olivier. Mm? I live here. Why are you doing this? Well, we were just discussing a, a topical point. Stop. Um, why ah. uh, people don't uh, hate the French anymore. Stop, stop, stop. I mean, we used to, and now we don't. Ah, it's, a, ah, it's a perfectly... Ah, ah, ah. What? Stop. I live here. I, I know you just told us that. I live here now. 
Okay. You are a bad man. You are a bad man. No. Well, you are bad, no, bad, I'm, just, bad, bad, bad. I'm allowing people to speak. I'm not a bad man for allowing people allowing to speak and to say their opinion. I'm allowing you to speak, aren't I? Monsieur. What? No, we're just having a discussion. We're not saying... We're just having you a discussion. Must, I, 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 I live here. I know you live here. You've told me four times. Now, hang on. No, I'm just... Hello? I'm still here. I'm waiting for you to speak. I don't like you. Oh. Thanks. Maybe we should stop talking about radio now because I want to talk about podcasts and stuff like that and um, specific kind of podcasts that have uh, influenced my one. At the early days of podcasting, I was actually involved in a few different things. There was, um, I was doing performance poetry, believe it or not. Um, stopped doing that. I wasn't very good. But, um, you know, I can say that. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I'm not going to mention, well, should I mention this? It's kind of a secret, but it's, um, it is commercially available. <laughs> um, I released an album, uh, performance poetry. It's terrible. But it's still available. You can, you can, I think you can get it on Spotify and stuff like that. I need to figure out how to get rid of it. I just haven't got around to it yet. You know, terrible poetry album that I recorded. Yeah, there was a few um, different... Uh, when podcasting first began to be a thing, in, uh, it must be about 2007, 2007, 2008, uh, there were quite a few different uh, poetry podcasts that I got involved with. Um, some of them just like played a couple of tracks from the album that I'd released. Uh, some of them had me on as an interview guest. And um, I even did uh, one of them did a recording of a live set that I'd done. And that was on the that was on the podcast. And, um, you know, the podcasting was new to me. I didn't know what, what it was, you know, and it was kind of really interested to see kind of how these how these guys were putting these shows together and how, how they were kind of recording them, releasing them and stuff like that. It seemed it seemed very kind of technical to me at the time. It's not really that. It's not rocket science. <laughs> it, it felt like rocket science at the time. So I was like, well, I'm impressed by your skills here, your, your IT skills. I think I must have been a bit of a, you know, technophobe at that time. I was very, I was quite behind. I was quite behind on a few things um, technology-wise. I didn't really know. I, I wasn't really that interested in the internet or kind of online stuff. Uh, but, you know, I participated in these shows. And um, one of them was um, an American guy called Larry Winfield who uh, used to do a podcast called Sundown Lounge. I don't think you can get it anymore. I don't think it's available anywhere. You can't get it on, like, um, iTunes or anything. But um, I was on that. I was on that a couple of times. And... Um, yeah, Larry used to do, it, it was kind of like a old school kind of music radio show, really. But um, cause, so he used to kind of play music and do talking in between, you know, <laughs> that's that's what mu music radio is, isn't it? And um, but the talk, the talking was great. It was just um, Larry kind of talking about various different topics that were of interest to him at that time. And um, it, it was uh, it was great just to hear just like a normal person talking. You know, he wasn't like a radio presenter. He's still doing it. Uh, I should say he's still doing it. He's, he's doing a show called Magneto Funky. And uh, he releases that on the Internet Archive. So you have to kind of, 
go out of your way to find it. It's not on usual. It's not on your usual podcasting apps. You have to go on the Internet Archive to find Magneto Funky. But it's kind of what he's doing now is is kind of the same as what he was doing then. If just kind of talking and playing some music. Magneto Funky number one seven five. It's Monday, December twenty first, twenty twenty. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's an interesting guy. He's he's got a lot of very interesting things to say, and um, I think that's great. You know, that show in particular, I think, kind of helped me to develop this idea of the fictional version of Frank Burton, who is just this guy who talks um, about his. Sometimes he talks about his life. Sometimes he kind of reads out these weird shout out requests and then kind of rambles on and he's just you know he's he's not a he's kind of the opposite of a professional radio presenter you know he's just a guy who talks i think i was kind of trying to in some way kind of replicate that spirit of what people like uh larry were doing with the with these early podcasts and you know that there are you know the countless other people who are who are doing this, just kind of independent podcasting guys who, who just pick up a microphone and talk into it for a bit, and then that's the podcast, and then they put it out online. <laughs> it's, uh, let's be fair, that's what I'm doing right now. That is exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm just talking, you know. Yeah, that's what I liked. Uh, so that that was my first taste of uh, podcast as a participant. Um, I think the first kind of podcasts that I got into properly were um, I listened to uh, Answer Me This in the early days, and I've, I've had uh, I've subsequently had Martin Aswick on from uh, from Answer Me This on the show, so that was nice. Uh, the big one I think for me was um, Collings and Herring, Richard Herring and Andrew Collings. Uh, had this kind of uh, <laughs> very very funny kind of double act for a while until they, they fell out eventually and then I don't think they're on speaking terms anymore but um, they had this podcast which it's kind of reminded me of the kind of the Mark and Lard double act that they used to do and, and just say all of this uh, uh, really extreme stuff on the radio and and they they just kind of seemed to get away with it because no one was listening I guess or, or no one <laughs> no one from the BB no one from the BBC was listening to tell them off that you can't say that you know (laughs) so you know they're on late night radio all the producers have gone to sleep you know (laughs) so that they they could just do and say whatever they wanted and it was great and um the thing about podcasting is that there is no censorship at all you know so the collins and herring thing was um these two guys and that they were the thing is they were professional broadcasters Andrew Collins is a professional broadcaster. He's, I think he's got a show on like classic FM now or something. And, but he's been a radio presenter for a, for a very long time. And Richard Herring has been a, uh, you know, he's had TV shows and all, all sorts of things. And he's very big in the podcasting world now, but this kind of uh, early thing that they did, it's called Collins and Herring. And um, it was just kind of the two of them kind of reading out things from the newspapers and then just, making really filthy jokes about it 
because I was writing on my computer what, what on my version because we're doing two and I said what number is it is it 12 or 13 and then you said can we put 14 down because you didn't want to put 13 down because you were scared of the number 13 only because my mum taught me to be superstitious as we were growing up my your mum is a fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very, very funny, and also I just liked the the kind of the the, the punkish sort of attitude of the thing. Was that the, the sound quality was really, really bad? They were just talking into a laptop microphone, as far as I could tell. Um, so the sound quality was horrendous, which was really ironic because they were both, you know, they, they were both kind of employed by the BBC as professional broadcasters, <laughs> but they were just doing this thing in in the getting together in in the bedroom and just and just uh, doing this little side project with re- really bad audio quality and just stuff that you never in a million years would be able to say on the radio <laughs> you know um so i i, I like that I, I like that concept and um it was uh one of those things that kind of, you know, I, I guess inspired me to say, well, well, I, I, I could be doing this, and I, I didn't, for a, for a very long time after that. Um, it took me until, I think, uh, when did I start doing Ragbag? Was it two thousand and eighteen? That was much later, about ten years after I heard that that uh, Collings and Herring show. Um, so there you go. It took me ten years, but I got there in the end. A few things that I listened to along the way, which um, kind of uh, influenced me quite heavily. The, the main one being Welcome to Night Vale, which, um, again, you know, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's a very obvious thing for me to say. It's uh, hugely successful, hugely influential, and um, lots of people like it for a very good reason that it's absolutely great. Those who live in glass houses should at least hang curtains around their bathroom. Welcome to Night Vale. The thing that I took away from that, I mean, I I do actually remember the first time I heard Night Vale, it very much reminded me of the first time I heard Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in that it felt like I was listening to something completely new and completely different to anything else I'd heard before. And, uh, yeah, so if if you haven't heard Welcome to Night Vale, maybe you haven't, maybe you have, I highly recommend that you check it out. But um, I I think the the fact that um, it's... Night Vale primarily is just one person talking. Uh, It's a fictional show set in this fictional town in a fictional world of Night Vale uh, in which uh, lots of fantastical things happen um, but it's just presented by this one man and he's kind of this radio host in the town of Night Vale and so it's one voice and uh, you know it, s- stories are kind of told in a different kind of way it's kind of this quite often the story is going on in the background and um, you have to kind of search for it in, in, in a way because um, uh, the main kind of bulk of it is just kind of this kind of local news broadcast. And uh, yeah, I, I just really, really love the style of it and I really love the humour. 
and yeah again i thought uh yeah why not why why don't i do this and um yeah they, they do this thing on the uh night Vale show that they, they they do play music on well to night Vale, but they only play kind of one track per episode and it's um it's called the weather so he'll say like and now the weather and then they'll play a song I thought maybe I'll maybe I'll do that, but I'll have the weather on all the time. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Right. So, what podcasts is Frank Burton listening to now? I'm <laughs> talking about myself in the third person there. What podcast? What podcast is the great Frank Burton listening to now? Uh, thanks, Steve. <laughs> um, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give you a bunch of um, recommendations, as a matter of fact. I'm just having a look. I've done no real preparation for this, by the way. I'm just looking on my podcast app that I listen to podcasts through. Podcast Addict, that's the one that I use. Other ones are available. Actually, um, before we go any further, I haven't mentioned This Sound Serious yet. Now, This Sound Serious is, uh, for my money the best podcast in the world perhaps of all time i don't know i mean if you say all time i mean podcasts hasn't been haven't been going that long have they so difficult to categorize it it's kind of a it's a mockumentary mockumentary i would class it as a sitcom maybe, maybe not maybe other people wouldn't but i i think it's one of the great sitcoms previously on this sounds serious uh, would you want to comb a mini horse um, I went to visit Daniel Bronstad in Florida, and he turned out to be even stranger than I expected. I just feel more comfortable sleeping in small spaces, and so I actually sleep in this tub. Doesn't it ever... I learned about Chuck and Daniel's childhood. This was the only picture of a band we had called the Doppelgangers. <laughs> it was a, we were trying a German thing there. And I learned about their falling out. He was beating himself up, right. as well as me. But maybe the most important thing that I learned was that after Chuck and Daniel's fight... He joined a fucking cult. Daniel joined a cult. It's kind of a true crime documentary, like a fake one. So a fake true crime documentary. There's been three series of it so far. Three series. I said it. Series. There have been three series of it so far. Um, yeah, so the first one was... Uh, the case of Daniel Bronstadt, which was fantastic. Uh, then there was Missing Melissa, and then there was Grand Casino. And they're all um, presented by this character. Uh, what's the character's name? Oh, dear, oh, dear. I've done no preparation. Gwen Radford is the name of the presenter of the uh, show. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously... Gwen Radford is not a real person, It's, uh, but we are led to believe that she is, and we are led to believe that everything that is happening in the show is real. Um, it's very, very well done. If you look at the comments, uh, the kind of reviews that people have left on iTunes and on social media, things like that, something around, when I last checked, I think something around 50% of them thought it was a genuine documentary. And then there was the, uh, you know, inevitable smart asses just going yeah yeah you know it's a comedy show so you know um <laughs> i i wouldn't tell them i'd just let them believe it was real that's what i would do but um 
it's uh, it's extraordinary, really, because I mean, it, it's it's amazing, and it's testament to how well it's made that people think it's a real show, because the the stories within it are so ridiculous and so far fetched, and the, the characters are so crazy. But the, the way that it's presented is is presented as though, you know, as though it's a real documentary. So that's why people have been kind of hoodwinked into thinking that it is one. Um, but I just think it's hilarious. It's such a funny show. And uh, like I say, the, the way that it's made is it, everything is done with a completely straight face. And that that's my kind of humour. You know, you may have guessed that if you if you're a long time ragbag listener, you may have guessed that. That is my style of humour. I like to do humour with a straight face. That is definitely what the This Sound Serious guys have been doing uh, for the last few years. Um, I'm hoping there's going to be another series. There haven't been one for a year, so I had a run of three years of having a new series coming out each time. Maybe the pandemic has slowed things down. I do hope it will be back um, because it is fantastic. Um, I mean, it hasn't had much uh, influence on ragbag as a podcast i don't think because i think i discovered it after i started doing the ragbag show so uh, i'd already found my feet i guess before i discovered this sound serious but i i suspect it is going to have a rather a large influence on another show that i'm going to be making and um, i don't think i've mentioned this yet to anyone uh, publicly, um, I've mentioned it in private to people, I'm going to be making a, a sitcom which is going to be called Frank, well the working title is Frank and Claude are following you and it features myself and Uncle Claude um, just driving around in the van getting up to, uh, <laughs> not getting up to much really, it's, it's kind of a low concept thing really um, it's almost like they're they're um, driving around this in the Scooby Doo mystery machine, solving mysteries. But the mysteries that they solve are all really inconsequential things. So there's kind of an existentialist sort of element to it. And yeah, it's two two men who are at a certain stage in their life. Frank is in his early forties. Uh, Claude is in his early seventies, and they've both reached a point in their life where they are looking for some kind looking for something else uh, perhaps so it's kind of like um it's going to be a comedy show but there is going to be that element of having these two characters do a little bit of soul searching and kind of explore explore the two characters through their kind of back and forth kind of banterish relationship that, that i've been building up on the podcast for the last couple of years so yeah watch out for that uh, and um I'll certainly be taking a leaf out of the This Sound Serious book, so to speak, in the sense that it's going to be like a mockumentary. It's going to be like, um, you know, this is uh, fictional Frank recording himself and Uncle Claude driving around in the van and capturing their real conversations. Obviously, they're not real conversations. It's me doing both the voices. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, well, it could be real conversations, Frank. Maybe you've got some sort of multiple personality thing. Uh, well, uh, that's a good point, Claude. Uh, good point well made. <laughs> oh, well, it's going to be enjoyable anyway. I, I, I um, Maybe it won't get made at all. Maybe, maybe it'll be a disaster and I won't put it out. I, I haven't started, I haven't 
done anything for it yet but it's going to be mostly improvised as well because that's what I like to do with the with the Frank and Claude episodes is that they're mostly improvised dialogue so that's uh well you know if Larry David can do it <laughs> so can I <laughs> I don't know why I said that um Larry David is an extremely talented man um so that doesn't really compute the fact that Larry David can do it doesn't mean that I can do it as well but you know we will see we will see what happens with um Frank and Claude are following you watch out for it what else have I been listening to? Um, let's have a look at what I've been listening to recently. Um, there's a BBC podcast called You're Dead to Me, which is um, a history show where it's kind of like a light-hearted kind of comedy discussion, kind of like discussion panel show type thing. Um, with uh, It's not really a panel show. It's like uh, Greg Jenner, who does um, Horrible Histories, presents it, and he has a historian on one side and a comedian on the other side, and they they just have a bit of, just have a bit of a laugh with history. Really, I, I really really like it. It's 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 a great, it's a great thing. I've been learning a lot as well, which is good because there's um, you know, I like history, but there's a whole bunch of gaps in my knowledge of things that I didn't know about. Let's have a look at some of the, you know, I didn't know anything about the Aztecs, for example. Learn about the Aztecs. Stuff with like global history, like you were uh, when I was at school, we didn't teach you anything apart from like British history, and that was it. And um, so, your dead to me has got things like the the Mughal Empire. Is that how you say it? Mughal Empire or the Haitian Revolution? That was great. It's really interesting to uh, learn about that. And it, yeah, it's just just it's just like a nice, light-hearted, fun show, and I'm glad that it's still going because um, I'm. I've, I'm kind of catching up. I'm kind of halfway. Th I'm binge listening to the whole thing, and I'm about halfway through what's there. Let's see how many episodes are there. Eighty-four episodes are available altogether. So I've probably listened to about forty. I've been listening to it for the last two weeks. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead to Me, a Radio Four history podcast for everyone. For people who don't like history, do like history, or people who forgot to learn any at school. I think that's great. I mean, uh, you know, it's, no, it's nothing like what I do, um, but that's good. It's good. I don't want to just listen to stuff that is going to be, you know, influential to me, at, you know, in, in the way that this sounds serious is or the way that Night Vale is. Sometimes it's good just to listen to stuff uh, as a consumer of things. So that's mostly what mostly what I do. I mean, I, I don't go out there looking for inspiration that often, really. I think uh, probably one of the, one of the best comedy podcasts around is got to be the Bugle, hasn't it? You've probably heard of that, haven't you? It's uh, it's, it's it's not um, uh, something that I necessarily need to recommend to you. It's uh, an extremely popular show, but I, I think it's um, it's always funny. It's always uh, it it always kind of um, gives you kind of that sort of alternative angle on current affairs. I, I, I would. I stopped listening to it for a while um, during the Trump years. <laughs> I just, I just found, I just found the news to be getting a little bit too depressing and stuff. But um, I've gone back into it now, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's still the same show that it, that it ever was. Obviously, John Oliver's not doing it anymore, but um, Andy Zolzman. I nearly called him Andy Kaufman, um, which is a different guy, um, dead. But um, yeah, Andy Zolzman uh, is. Uh, is such a such a clever chap. <laughs> so patronising. He's a very clever chap. 
Um, he's an intelligent young man. He's going places. Going further than you, Frank, you bastard. Stuff that I listen to on the regular. I've got, I'm a regular Bugle listener. Comedians Comedian podcast with uh, Stu Goldsmith. It's not really a comedy show, it's comedians talking about comedy. Which um, I found it particularly useful when I was making the Ragbag Rambler video series. Because that's kind of the, um, uh, the Ragbag podcast isn't like a pure kind of comedy show. It's kind of music, comedy and storytelling and you know, it's uh, and sometimes I just kind of interview a musician, and there won't be any laughs at all. You know, so it's more than one thing. Whereas the Ragbag Rambler is just a hundred percent a comedy thing. Um, so, and I hadn't really done anything like that before. So I got into listening to the comedians comedian podcasts. I found that really useful, uh, just from a creative point of view. Um, yeah, it gets very. It gets very kind of technical about kind of uh, you know joke structures and things like that. It's um, I highly recommend it to anyone who is interested in comedy and who would like to perhaps get involved in comedy at some level. It's it's a good place to start, I think. So got that on the regular. Um, uh, regular listener to the irrationally exuberant. Now I had Reed Messerschmidt on the show as an interview guest uh, I, I just i just think he's an absolute legend and um his show is brilliant uh, the irrationally exuberant if you get a chance to listen to it then do because um i i and i can't even explain to you what it is you're just going to have to check it out it's a really fantastic podcast um likewise with the previous interview guest um the carolina shout which is uh, presented by Ethan Uslan, who was, uh, yeah, a interview guest on Ragbag back in 2018, I think, one of the one of the first guests that I had, and it's, um, yeah, basically it's it's a show about ragtime and jazz piano, and it's Ethan playing the piano and telling the stories behind the pieces that he plays. And that's that's kind of it, really. But I really, really like it. It's such a uplifting experience. It's uh, great music. I really like Ethan's sense of humour. He's very funny. He's a funny guy, and um, he's he's always got some interesting stories that he's dug out about these ragtime musicians who sometimes they lived uh, pretty tragic lives. You know, back in the jazz age, uh, wasn't. Uh, wasn't the greatest time to be alive, particularly if you're a black musician in the United States, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, always very, very interesting stuff, and uh, especially the music. I, I just really like the music. I really like ragtime piano. It's it's absolutely great, man. Uh, what else do I listen to regularly? Uh, Adam Buxton, semi regularly. I just uh, I, I cherry pick my way through that one. No offense to you, uh, Mr. Buxton, but. <laughs> I haven't always got time to listen to it, so I click on the one that I like the look of sometimes. But yeah, it's um, I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, you know, the, the, there have been some great guests on the Adam Buxton show. So, oh yeah, Laurie Anderson, of course. He had Laurie Anderson on, 
recently, and um, that was great. I've, I don't think I've heard an interview with Laurie Anderson before, uh, even though I'm a fan of hers. And uh, yeah, so that that was really intriguing. It was really uh, in- intriguing to hear what she's like as a person, or, or get a, a bit of an insight into what Laurie Anderson's like as a person. He, he's a great interviewer as well. Uh, you know, he 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 just kind of has a chat with the person and um, says, uh, "Here's something that's on my mind. What do you think of this?" <laughs> Which you know, some you know that is a tactic that can work. Uh, it doesn't work for everyone, but I think Adam Buxton does it really, really well. So, I like the sound with Frank Burton. That's a good one. Um, excellent show. Um, I'm taking a break from that actually. I'm going to be starting recording them again. I've got some great things coming up on the I Like the Sound podcast. I do hope you, you know, subscribe and listen to what's there already before the new ones come up. So, you know, you're not too far behind. <laughs> uh, taking on a slightly threatening tone there. I don't know why. You don't have to listen to it if you don't want to. It's your life. Um, I should mention Heist Podcast. Heist Podcast. Which uh, I absolutely love. I've, I have I've listened to... Let's have... Look, uh, currently available, there are 196 episodes. And I've listened to most of them. I think um, this, this is possibly my most listened to show. I absolutely love it. It's it's all about it's a true crime podcast without the murder. That's what they call it. Uh, it's all about heists, uh, various different robberies throughout the years, uh, going back in history, going throughout the world. Um, just some really amazing stories about heists, and that that's that's all it is. But I mean, I, I just really like the, the the way that it's put together, the way that it's presented, presented by Matt and Sai, who are um, uh, very enthusiastic about the subject matter and uh what i really like is that they they just love heists and they're totally unapologetic in their enthusiasm for them <laughs> sometimes they slip like a disclaimer in and say things like by the way we don't think you should actually do this as a career choice <laughs> but um they're so enthusiastic about about the subject that um you know it's good it's good that they don't really care how it comes across because you know um i think i think that's the way to do this sort of thing if you're you know i i'm not much into the true crime genre but you know you know i'd imagine if if i was listening to like a podcast about serial killers i would prefer it if the person <laughs> presenting it was just like i really love serial killers man i absolutely love them i'm going to I'm going to tell you all about them. They're great dudes. You know, um, I would prefer that. But at, at least it's an honest approach, you know. I should point out, I mean, with Heist Podcast, I've got uh, the book that I wrote, uh, Getting Away With It. I was listening to the Heist Podcast quite a lot during that time. I'm sure there was a, a certain amount of inspiration that went in to Getting Away With It, which which isn't really a heist uh, show. It's It's about a an extortion plot um which which is kind of similar to similar to heisting in its own way and um there there was there's a story about the Eiffel Tower which I kind of was a, a kind of an oblique reference to a story that was on 
the heist podcast about a man who successfully sold the Eiffel Tower to a group of scrap metal dealers and made a lot of money. But a, a con man, basically. He was a con man. And he said, it was a great story, actually. I really, really like it. <laughs> it's quite ingenious. There, there was, there was uh, kind of early 20th century, there were kind of rumours going around that the Eiffel Tower was going to be dismantled because the maintenance costs were too high. So this was like a point of controversy at that time. And this guy kind of leapt upon that. And what he did was he approached all of these different scrap metal dealers and said, yeah, the rumours are true. They are going to be dismantling the Eiffel Tower. I would like to sell it to you for a good price. So he sold the Eiffel Tower, not just to one scrap metal dealer, but several. <laughs> and um, yeah, he got caught in the end. But um, I just thought, uh, and and I, I put in a, a story about the Eiffel Tower in Getting Away With It, which was a different story altogether. It's about the Eiffel Tower being held hostage. But uh, I think I, I must, I didn't do this on purpose, but I think I must have deliberately chosen the Eiffel Tower as a kind of a reference to that true story. You know, um, I think that's what I did anyway. And um, the third ragbag book, which is finished... And it is going to form the basis of the new podcast. Um, the book is going to be serialised as part of the new podcast, Ragbag Presents. And that is about a bank heist. That is a, a novel about a bank heist, which um, I'll have to get in touch with these guys and tell them all this because they don't know they don't know who I am, I don't think. And, and um, I've never been in touch with them before. Maybe I'll tell them all, all about uh, the influence that their show has had on on my work because I'm sure they, they they would love to hear that because um, I, I you know speaking as a podcaster I always love it when people get in touch with me and tell me what they think of the show um yeah that's that's just a just a little hint there listeners <laughs> uh just you know tell me how great I am get in touch and tell me how great I am please uh you don't have to do that I was uh, I was joking um Right, so oh, there's loads more. Uh, there's absolutely loads more. Um, I can't. I, I must just listen to podcasts all the time. I've got so many here that I listen to on a regular basis. Everything's awful forever. This is a brilliant show. Uh, history, kind of uh, horrible histories, really. Um, horrible things from history. Oh, oh, that they describe it as a macabre history podcast in which Jess and Philippa wax lyrical over the awful oddities of the past um i like justin philippa I, sh I should get in touch with them as well and tell them how much i like them because that again that they have no clue do they unless i tell them so um oh maybe maybe they're listening to this now uh maybe they're they're secretly fans of mine i don't know Island, which was a hundred miles north of Siberia. Wrangle Island sounds like a place where you get wrangled. It does, doesn't it? And also, one hundred miles north of Siberia kind of sounds to me like Siberia is the tippy top of everything, where it's very cold. And so, what's it like a hundred miles north of there? Starts getting south, I think. <laughs> yes, turns into the fucking south. So when they went, what they were going to do is live on that uninhabited land for two years in order to, in order to why in order to claim oh. it. For the territory of the British government makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a brilliant show. There's there's um there's never been there's not been an episode that I've listened to of this uh, and I've gone oh I knew that already. 
it's all stuff that is <laughs> you listen to it and it's like really really that happened yeah fantastic everything's awful forever i highly recommend it oh now i i should um i should point out as well uh the same studio that makes this sound serious um kelly and kelly that's the name of the um not studio what am i what am i saying network is network is it whatever it is that you call it people who make podcasts right <laughs> i don't know there there's uh it's like an equally good show that i've i'm almost at the end of now and um hopefully it will they'll make another series of it because I, I really like it um dark air with terry carnation now terry carnation is a fictional character but th this is another kind of mockumentary style uh sitcom for want of a better word and um is Terry Carnation is kind of this um, radio host who specialises in the paranormal, kind of UFOs, uh, ghost sightings and stuff like that. And uh, so it's kind of a parody of of that type of radio. And but he's kind of solving a mystery of his own. It's it's it's, it's a lot of fun, and um, it's really really funny, really 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 funny show. Um, so I I recommend Dark Air with Terry Carnation. Oh, um, yeah, you know Chris, yeah, you know Chris. <laughs> you know him. Um, uh, Chris Olden, um, he does the uh, the Movie Bunker podcast, he's one of the presenters of that, and he also presents a uh, a fairly new podcast called Back to Britpop, in which he uh, interviews um, a whole bunch of people from uh, from back in the day, back in this, the kind of 90s Britpop era has had some really really great guests on there i really enjoyed uh, uh listening to the black grape uh episode uh kermit from black grape who uh you know a fantastic band uh really, really used to love them and um asian dub foundation he had one of them on he had um salad who i was really into um back in the 1990s um, Rick Witter was on the first one. I used to see Rick Witter about. Um, he stroked my face once in a club. He, <laughs> I used to have big sideburns and uh, Rick Witter came up to me and um, stroked my face. And um, <laughs> I don't know what he said to me. I can't remember now. I'd, I'd had a few beers at the time. But I, yeah, I, I lived in York, um, which is where um, Rick Witter is from. There's my Rick Witter story. Name dropping all over the place here, aren't I? Oh, and I've just noticed these uh, recent episodes got Jim Bob from Carter USM on. Fantastic. Oh, there you go. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Chris is a great interviewer as well. Uh, I have had the pleasure of interviewing him myself on, on Ragbag. Uh, actually, <laughs> I did it under the pretense that it was Uncle Claude interviewing him. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I don't really know why. Yeah, yeah, I, I do know why I did that. It had to fit in with the narrative of the show. Um, so I had to have Uncle Claude interviewing him. It'll all make sense if you listen back to it. One of the best podcasts of uh, recent years, I would say. Uh, Futile Attempts at Surviving Tomorrow, which is the um, comedian Kim Noble who um yeah i don't know how to describe this one it's it's really amazing it's uh, yeah how would you describe this 
it's difficult to do. Yeah, the words are failing me. Let, let's let's see what it says. Um, Futile attempts at surviving tomorrow is the new podcast from critically acclaimed comedian and performance artist Kim Noble. That's all it said. Even the person who wrote the description of the show can't think of anything to say about it. It's, it's really weird, and but it's um, it's uh, it's just utterly unlike anything else that that you will that you will ever hear. So that's that's a fairly good uh, recommendation, isn't it? I've been listening to Microscope as well. It's another uh, comedy one. Uh, Matt Ewins and John Cairns uh, in the guise of different characters each week as they attempt to explain the unexplainable and put some of the world's biggest mysteries under the microscope in this improvised comedy podcast. There you go. That's a good description. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Uh, both of those guys are um, great comics in their own right, and I suggest that you check them both out, but also check out Microscope. So there you go. Yeah, what else? Um, I'll only mention a few more because I'm just kind of inundating you with things now, aren't I? I uh, I have no mean, I have no wish to um, inundate you with too much stuff. Um, I think we're about there now, and. Um, but yeah, um, my cousin Peter has got um, a show called The Memes of Production, which I, I played a, uh advert for it on Ragbag a while back. And um, I've appeared on it a couple of times as well, which is nice. Um, there's only been four episodes so far, I believe. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very, very good. It's, um, it's kind of... Um, Similar to what I do, I guess it's got um, music and talking, and the uh, the talking and the music kind of complement one another. Um, but yeah, I think Peter's show kind of goes into possibly even weirder territory than mine, really, because mine sort of ragbag has to kind of stay within what is ostensibly the real world, whereas um, there's uh, lots of quite fantastical stories on the memes of production. But yeah, I, I do recommend that you uh, check it out. Basically, let's just mention a couple more things. Um, the odd, ent how do you say it? The odd entity podcast, odd dentity, <laughs> um, which is uh, Janine Mercer discusses tales of the paranormal, urban legends, folklore, and occasionally true crime with just the right amount of sarcasm and humour. That that tells you all you need to know. Um, yeah, it's another one of those where, you know, every time I listen to it, I'm kind of like, whoa, I did not know that. Yeah, so that's a really good one. Yeah, what else? Um, obviously, Mike's, uh, Mike Burton's show, Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, Mike was a guest on Ragbag, of course, uh, a while back. And uh, I have been a guest on Genuine Chit Chat a few times now, talking about my books and stuff like that and um yeah mike's a great supporter of this show and he's got a patreon i should mention this i i highly recommend checking out genuine chit chat first of all if you like that then you should subscribe to his patreon as well because you get us a, a whole other podcast that is only available for patreons is that what they call them patreons i feel like i've made that word up but uh, yeah, and and it's just um, Mike and his girlfriend Megan just talking about things that they've like films that they've seen. That's not what the main podcast is about. The main one is is about a whole bunch of stuff. Like he'll, he'll interview Mike will interview um, 
like a different guest every week about different subjects and um yeah hence the name genuine chitcha uh whereas um yeah the patreon one is is mike and megan just uh shooting the breeze about things that they've been watching on the tv um which is nice it's really really kind of um nice kind of laid back uh vibe to it that one so yeah i recommend that yeah i think i should stop recommending things to you now because uh Otherwise, you're just going to get all confused. Oh, I um, I've started listening to the Amelia Project, which uh, which is great. It's very funny. It's kind of a fiction show. Um, I don't know whether they describe it themselves as comedy or whether it's just they describe it as a fiction show. I don't know. Maybe they call it an audio drama. Oh no, it's a black comedy. <laughs> that's what that's what they describe it as. Yeah, black comedy. Um, and. Uh, good for them it's uh it's uh, very very good and so that's what i think about <laughs> that's my in-depth analysis of the amelia that i mean there's there's so many other things that i could go on and on and on there's so many great um shows and as a matter of fact you know there's there's a lot of things that i haven't listened to that you know i'm just scratching the surface just with the stuff that i listen to you know um there's a, just an immense number of podcasts out there are there not but uh, you know it's it's good to, to to find these new things and it's i, I like discovering of new ones you know there's, there's always something new out there um the fall of the house of sunshine it's like a musical it's a podcast musical very very well made and uh, I, I really like it Fall of the House of Sunshine. There's also a, a, another musical podcast called, I think, I think it's called Childish. Let me have a look. I've got it on here somewhere. Where is it? I think it's an alphabetical order. Yeah, um, Childish. Yeah, it's called that. Childish, the podcast musical. Yeah, it's 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 really good. Um, I I really like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, lots of other ones that I um, I'm not going to go into because just to give you like a flavor i guess of um you know the 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 number of different things that are out there i'm just having a look on my uh i'm gonna sound really flash now but i'm gonna have a look on my other device <laughs> two devices for listening to stuff that this other device is is one that i uh make notes on as well for for um podcast scripts and things like that i've got a whole bunch of um notes on here oh the the big loop if you've never heard that that's fantastic Another kind of storytelling show, um, really, really good. Let's have a look. I think I think one of the best um, like documentary podcasts that I've heard in in recent years has been, uh, what's it called? I thought I had it on here. 
Oh, uh, oh, don't forget about Oh No Lit Class. I really like that. Oh yeah, the documentary was called Winds of Change. And um, it's about the song, if you remember the Scorpions song, Winds of Change, that was um, recorded around the time of the fall of the Berlin Wall. And there's a conspiracy theory that the song was written by the CIA or was commissioned to be written by the CIA. <laughs> and um, there's there's a whole kind of documentary that goes... It's like um, eight parts, I think. It goes on, So it goes on for a whole kind of eight hours, you know. It's a big, long, old documentary about this this one conspiracy theory with, with the guy who's presenting it is just kind of looking into all the different avenues and different possibilities of what might have happened um, with the creation of this song. It's really, really fascinating, fascinating stuff. Uh, winds have changed. So, yeah, I'm going to have to stop now um, because uh, I'm just going on and on and on. Thank you for listening. My name has been Frank Burton. As always, please do check out my books, A History of Sarcasm, 100, Everything I Am, and of course, Getting Away With It, check out my other podcast, I Like The Sound. All the details of all of my stuff can be found on my website, frankburton.co.uk. I will see you next time for another slice of Ragbag's Fourth Wall. Thank you very much. Name dropping all over the place here, aren't I?